I think some people must get more hours in their day than the rest of us. Carla McLeod Bunter of Somerset, England, has four children, works a full-time job at a surgical center, is a qualified instructor in fitness and in nutrition and weight management and soon kickboxing. And still, when her grandmother died in 2020, she decided to add one more thing to her life, sheep. Specifically, valet black-nosed sheep, the cutest sheep in the world. Carla took her inheritance and bought sheep. She entered them in fairs and competitions, and then she decided to take it a step further, and she began offering sheep therapy. It started with an open barn event over the holidays where people could come and cuddle the sheep and relieve some of their stress. And it was so popular that she started offering regular therapy sessions at her Lambrook farm. She also takes the sheep out for sheep therapy sessions at nursing homes and schools and, and anywhere else people could use a little woolly mental health lift. It gives you a fuzzy feeling, she says, when you see people light up. It's a nice stress relief. They just make you smile and make you happy. Having hugged a few sheep myself in my days, I know how therapeutic sheep cuddling can be. It is a good stress reliever. But the Bible offers a different kind of sheep therapy. Sheep are by far the most common animal mentioned in the Bible. I mean, we, we talked about dogs. They're only mentioned 41 times. Birds, 128 times. Donkeys, 142 times. But sheep in all their different forms, rams and ewes and lambs, are mentioned 553 times in the Bible. And half of all the Bible books mention sheep. So they must be really important, right? Right? Well, they are. But we also recognize that most of the sheep in the Bible are just sheep. They're just the common things that people use to, to uh, eat lamb chops or wool for their clothes or, or sacrifices for the temple. Lots of Bible characters had the common job of being a shepherd and taking care of common sheep. People from Moses to David to those shepherds that were out in the fields when Jesus is born. And they're able to come and be visitors there in the manger. Sheep are often just common sheep in the Bible. But sometimes, sometimes in the Bible, sheep represent something more than just the common sheep. Like in Psalm 23, God is the shepherd, and we are the sheep. And what a shepherd God is. In the first four verses, God provides everything that a sheep could want. Food, water, rest, guidance, protection. And I love the old King James Version of, of the 23rd Psalm, but I'm going to read it from the, the New Living Translation, so maybe you can perhaps hear it in a fresh new way today. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths 
bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Isn't it great to be God's sheep? Now, of course, we aren't really sheep. So as the psalm goes on, reflecting on God's goodness, it starts to, to talk about things that no sheep needs, but people do. Verse 5 says this, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Now, sheep don't care about feasting in front of their enemies. Only people want to feel vindicated. And anointing our heads with oil, sheep don't need oil. They produce their own. It's called lanolin. It helps their wool to repair, repel water. And, and people actually use lanolin for cosmetic products like Carmex lip balm. Look at the ingredients. It contains lanolin from sheep. Lanolin is also in some water repellents, some anti-rust coatings, even in mustache wax, and in products for breaking in the leather of a new baseball glove. Sheep have their own lanolin. They do not want to be anointed with oil. A good shepherd of lay black-nosed sheep would never pour oil on their heads. But a good shepherd of people, that's a different story. Oil was a part of the regular beauty routine back then when the 23rd Psalm was written. Just as people today use face creams and lotions and, and sunscreen, when Psalm 23 was written, people used oil like that. And so if you had an honored guest, you would provide them with water to wash up and with oil. That's why Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount, to use a little oil. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. In other words, get cleaned up, look presentable. You are fasting for God, not for other people's praises. But anointing with oil was more than just a, a beauty product back then. It was also a symbol of honor and a sign that you were special in God's eyes. Kings were anointed. High priests were anointed. Set apart for a special purpose from God. And anointing was often connected with the Holy Spirit. When Samuel anoints David to be king, it says that the Holy Spirit came on David from then on. Jesus was also anointed. He was anointed with oils when, when the woman poured the expensive perfume on his feet, the nard, and then wiped his feet with her hair. Jesus was also anointed by the Holy Spirit, as he says when he starts his ministry. In Luke chapter 4, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me and proclaim, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free. Sheep don't need anointing, but how wonderful for us people 
to be anointed by our shepherd, to be filled with the Spirit and honored and set apart for God's purposes. It's no wonder that the 23rd Psalm is so well-loved. It tells us that we have a great shepherd in the Lord. Or as Jesus calls himself, a good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. So the Lord is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And the shepherd is good. But it's not necessarily a good thing to be compared to sheep. Sure, if you're those cute, belay, black-nosed sheep that, uh, that provide therapy for people, well, then maybe that might be a compliment. But in the Bible, being called sheep is not exactly a compliment. Because sheep are famous for being stupid, for wandering off and getting in trouble. The Lord might be great, but we sheep, not so much. Listen to how Isaiah describes the human condition in chapter 53. He says, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. Or listen to one of Jesus' most famous parables, the parable of the lost sheep. Then Jesus told them this parable, suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The problem with the lost sheep in Jesus' parable and the wandering sheep in Isaiah's prophecy is not that they are stressed out. Yes, they, they do get stressed. Sheep do get stressed. Uh, and so do people. And it is a problem. For the sheep, it could even be a problem that kills them. We had uh, sheep on our farm if a, a stray dog happened to get into the pasture, it might run around thinking it's playing with the sheep, but the sheep don't know that. So they get stressed out. And, and sheep actually can get so stressed that they just fall over and die. Stress is a bad thing. And it's bad for people, too. I mean, it's no wonder that, that people go to, to Carla's place to snuggle with those sheep and get a little sheep therapy. Stress is a bad thing. But stress isn't our biggest problem as people. Now the biggest problem that we have, says the Bible, is sin and separation from God. Our biggest problem is that we wander away from the good shepherd. All we like sheep have gone astray. And you can't fix that by petting belay black-nosed sheep at Carla's house. You need a bigger solution than just cuddling with sheep, as cute as they are. Now, fortunately, God is also in the sheep therapy business, or rather, the lamb therapy business. The solution for sin and our separation from God is Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as John the Baptist says. His sacrifice is what saves us lost sheep. 
Let me read you a little more of that prophecy from Isaiah 53. It talks about what our, the Lamb does for us. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us have turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. We are the ones who run away from God. We are the ones who do our own thing and get in trouble. We are the, the ones who deserve punishment. We're the stupid sheep. But the Lamb of God took our punishment instead. That punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. And by his blood we are saved. First Corinthians compares Jesus to the Passover lamb. It says in First Corinthians 5, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Do you know what the Passover lamb is all about? Back when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, God sent Moses to free them. Moses, you might recall, had grown up in Egypt. He'd run away and become a shepherd. And he's out in the desert taking care of sheep. And then there's a, there's a bush. And what was special about the bush? Anybody remember? The bush was burning, but it wasn't burned up. It just was burning. And God speaks to him out of the bush and says, go back to Egypt and lead my people to freedom. And so Moses goes back, and, and God provides ten plagues to, to convince Pharaoh to let the people go. And we talked about some of them a few weeks ago, the frogs, the flies, the locusts. But the very last one was a plague of death that killed the firstborn. The firstborn from people to sheep. But God provided a way for the Israelites to be saved. God told them to sacrifice a lamb and to eat it that night before so they are prepared to flee and to take some of the lamb's blood and to put it on the sides of their doors, the doorposts, and above the door. And whatever house was marked by the blood of the lamb would be spared from the plague of death. Their lives were literally saved by the blood of the lamb. And Jesus, the lamb of God, gave his blood to save us. There's power in the blood. I heard a story years ago about a teenage boy in Vietnam. This was back during the Vietnam War. And his brother had been, been wounded in the war and needed to have surgery. And so they needed some blood for him. And he was asked to donate blood for his brother's surgery. And historically, watched as they inserted the needle into his vein and they drew out that, um, the bag of blood to help his brother. And afterwards, the, the nurse said, you're very brave, thank you so much for, for helping your brother. And 
he looked up at her and he said, when do I die? He thought that in giving his blood for his brother that he would lose his life, that he would die in his brother's place. Well, that's literally what Jesus has done for us. He gave his life on a cross for us. And like the Passover lamb, his blood saves from death. Perhaps that's why in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation, the book that looks forward to God's ultimate triumph over sin and death and our separation from God, over everything that would cause us to wander and be stupid sheep, perhaps why, that's why the book of Revelation, the most common name for Jesus, is simply the Lamb. Listen to how Revelation 12 describes our victory. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth with his, and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For accusers of our brothers and sisters who accused them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony. We triumph over all that evil can do by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony about the saving power of Jesus. Ultimately, all those who have been saved by the blood of Christ, by the blood of the Lamb, will then be brought together. It will be the ultimate cheap therapy when we are before the throne of God surrounding the Lamb with all of our brothers and sisters. Talks about that in chapter 7 of Revelation. After this I looked and before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. Now that's some sheep therapy. So I guess it's, it's not so bad to be called sheep when your shepherd is the Lamb. If you ever get a chance to, to go over to Somerset, England, and, and visit Lambrook Farm and pet those black-nosed sheep, well, I'd encourage you to, to take advantage of it because the, there really is nothing so relaxing as to pet a little lamb, especially one as cute as those. But if your problems are bigger than a little stress, and they are, 
And if you have a tendency to wander away from God and do your own thing, and you have, and if you need to fear no evil because you have someone who will walk with you even through the valley of the shadow of death, and you do, then turn to the Lamb who is your good shepherd. For we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony about the saving power of Jesus. May it be said of us, like Peter says in his first letter, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. God, we confess that we are way too much like sheep. We wander away, we do our own thing, and suddenly we look around and we're scared. We're frightened. We've gotten ourselves into trouble. But you are there. You walk with us even through the worst troubles and the darkest valleys. You are there for us. Like the good shepherd, you seek us out when, when we are lost. You are relentless. You love us so much. So Lord, we pray that you would continue to be our good shepherd. And call us sheep or just call us your people. We don't care. Just call us home to be with you.